0: Listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from Triple R.
1: You're tuned to Breakfasters here on Triple R, tracking the climate threat to Australia's unique ecosystems. It's the title of a new article in Melbourne University's Pursuit magazine. One of its authors is Professor Ari Hoffman from the School of Biosciences at that uni, and he's joining us now. Welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you. Uh, We've been talking about climate change for a long time now. How much do we understand about the effects that it's having in Australia and what problems do we face
2: researching it? (laughs) That's a loaded question. It
3: is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, climate change has been around for a long time. I mean, I went to my first climate change conference back in 1993. Hmm. And, um, you know, I'm in the biodiversity area and basically um, the scientists were discussing the fact that that biodiversity was threatened by climate change and that we could probably tolerate a one-degree increase if we were lucky. And, of course, now we're facing a situation where it's going to be much over one degree. We're talking about two degrees, potentially five degrees if we don't do something about it by 2100. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a doom and gloom situation, unfortunately, at the moment. So it's been discussed for a long time. You know, we are clearly being more serious about it now than we have been in the past. And let's hope that we have a big turnaround in the um, immediate future. But we are seeing major changes happening in ecosystems. And, of course, everyone's familiar with coral reefs and the fact that coral reefs are bleaching. that was also discussed in 1993, and um, I remember having a conversation uh, with someone at that time saying, look, you know, when the coral reefs bleach, we're going to be in a situation where everyone accepts climate change. We're doing something serious about it. That's so depressing. And we're basically going to be turning around the situation very quickly, and that clearly hasn't happened. But, um, you know, the article that we're putting together now is all about terrestrial ecosystems. Everyone's familiar with coral reefs. Some people are familiar also with the fact that the kelp forests are disappearing. But now we're also starting to see the effects occurring in terrestrial ecosystems as well. You know, our eucalypts, our alpine ecosystems... Those wonderful plants that we have growing in the subantarctic islands like Macquarie Island. I mean they really are starting to be affected now.
1: So let's talk about some of those examples. In sure. the article you talk at a couple of case studies. One of them involves something called cushion plants. What what are they and what do they tell us?
2: Yeah, so these are these very low lying plants that are effectively very well buffered against wind and the extreme conditions you get in the sub and, and they are quite fragile ecosystems. So they effectively grow in stones. I mean you've probably seen the picture in the article. It's pretty impressive. Anyone can go online and have a look at that. <laughs> and um what's happening is that they are dying back and they are dying back in a very very dramatic fashion and researchers have done some excellent work showing that that dieback is occurring over a very short period of time And there's there's a bunch of things that are happening, you know. It's getting drier, it's obviously getting warmer. Um, But on top of that, what you're also getting is interactions between those climate changes and things like pathogens. So diseases are coming in there and they're also playing havoc with that system. So they're dying back. They've gone from being very common and very healthy to being threatened in a very, very short period of time.
0: Uh, The pygmy possum has also been threatened as well, but by something that's not even happening where it lives. You told us about that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the pygmy possum is an interesting one. So, so mountain pygmy possums, you know, they were always considered to be a bit of a canary um, in the mine, in a sense, from a climate change point of view. And um, you know, they live in the alpine area. They live in the mountain tops, and and what they do is they hibernate, and they're the only marsupial that really hibernates properly in the Alps. And um, what they do is they actually go and hide in these boulder fields. So these these areas where there's giant rocks sitting on top of one another, and Before they start hibernating, they fatten themselves up, and they fatten themselves up on moths called bogon moths, and those bogon moths are actually flying from a long way away to effectively also hibernate, if you like, in the Alps. So they sort of tolerate, you know, adverse conditions in the Alps. They fly from New South Wales up in the plains, you know, agricultural country, that sort of thing. And then they're going to the Alps to hibernate. Now, what's happening is that the bergon moth numbers are starting to go down. You know, we're not seeing those huge flights that used to come in through Canberra, for instance. And when the bergon moths, of course, um, start disappearing, or at least start getting reduced numbers going to the Alps, then the food is not available for these mountain pygmy possums to fatten up and survive the winter. So these are very, very protein-rich sources um, of food, fat rich sources of food. And, of course, Aborigines used to use those as native food as well. And now our mountain pygmy possums are no longer able to fatten up as well, which, of course, then affects the reproduction and then the population starts to go down. They can't reproduce successfully. How, how do we go about attributing
1: that climate change, I mean we seem to be determined to destroy the planet in so many different ways at the moment we're hearing about insects are dying all over the place but whether that's to do with pesticides or whether that's to do with land clearance, in these sort of case studies how do you know it's climate change in particular that's doing it?
2: Yeah and I think that's a really good question and that's one of the reasons why we've never been too certain about terrestrial ecosystems and it's taken a lot longer to get the data that we really require to to make statements about these things being attributable to climate change And of course, you know, the problem is that that some of these changes are quite complicated. It's like the cushion plants where you've got these diseases interacting. It's like the bogon moths where you have the moth flights affecting a marsupial. And that's typically the case in ecology. You get these interactions occurring and it's very hard to tease those apart. What you need to do is to collect data across a long period of time. Um, And what you need to do is really understand the reasons that sit behind a lot of these changes. So in the case of jarafrosts in Western Australia, for instance... You know, we can directly see the impact of heat on the dieback of the canopy. You can see the canopy burning off in those trees. And we we all know that heat events are becoming more common. So in that case, attribution is fairly straightforward. You know, when you get these really hot events, then, of course, you're going to get burning off of vegetation. As a consequence, you're going to get the canopy being quite damaged. Now, of course, what can happen on top of that is you can get insect attacks happening and they will then come out earlier in bigger numbers and they will affect the canopy even further. So that can exacerbate the um, the effects of canopy damage due to climate change effects. So that's the sort of interaction you've got to look for. Now, if you're trying to collect data over two or three years, then that's obviously not enough. You need to really look at these cycles because everyone can say, well, you know, we get droughts. We've had those droughts for the last few hundred years. And, of course, you know, the drought we're having currently is just an example of, yet another drought that we have in Australia. But, of course, the droughts are becoming more extreme, the heat events are becoming more extreme, but you've got to track it over several decades to really be confident about these sorts of things.
3: Last week we saw students, young people in Australia, walk out uh, in protest of climate mm. change. And the same week that we had a Dani announce that they're going to start work on the coal mine in Queensland, yeah. it, at a time when there seems to be this kind of real ideological rift on climate change, what do you feel like, as a scientist, you can do to ch- shift that conversation?
2: Look, you can go and hide. Yeah. (laughs) It it must be overwhelming. (laughs)
3: Quite
2: quite often I feel like doing that, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, you just throw your hands in the air and say, look, guys, take it seriously. You know, this is ridiculous. so I, I completely applaud the primary school students and the other students going out. I think it's a wonderful movement and I think our politicians need to take this sort of thing much more seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit like the reef, you know, in a sense, um, the responses well, let's throw $500 million at it, right? Let's try and solve this problem by more research. But then, of course, if the underlying cause is not resolved, then it's a real issue. I mean, it, you know, having said that, of course, you can try and take steps to adapt biodiversity to climate change. And, you know, there's certainly some things things you can do in the landscape to try and make sure that some of those key services that the environment provides are going to be maintained into the future. And that that's another way of looking at it. So, you know, say, for instance, for coral reefs, people are asking the question, well, you know, can we hybridise the corals to try and make them more resistant to high temperatures? I mean, that's that's a useful thing you can do. So scientifically, you can take steps but they might be seem a little bit way out sometimes, yeah. if you know what I mean. But, you know, we are facing a drastic situation and we need to do something about it. So I guess, you know, as, I guess as a scientist I try and focus on the positive as well as the negative. So yes, it's important to document the downfall but it's also important to really start taking steps where you're saying how do we adapt vegetation, how do we adapt animals, how do we adapt corals the future? future um, to make sure they're not going to fall over the next couple hundred years so in that 300 year time frame when we see temperatures falling back hopefully then we'll still have something to really deal with i was thinking about that when i was reading your article because surely it
1: throws up some thorny kind of ethical questions when you're talking about a Adapting to climate change, how do you talk about adaption without sort of tacitly giving up in fighting the changes in the first place? I mean, how, how do you balance out those considerations between saying we need to stop this happening and also saying, well, realistically,
2: it's it's going to happen? Sure. Look, look, some things you can do are actually quite easy and, and they're almost like, um, I guess, undoing the damage that we've done already. So, for instance, if you think about um, the volcanic pl- uh, plateau area in Victoria, you've obviously got a situation where the landscape's become incredibly fragmented due to agriculture. Um, and by reconnecting the landscape, by putting trees back in the landscape and undergrowth and reconnecting it, what you actually do is you will allow natural processes to occur. So you provide corridors for animals to move around, so when it gets too hot in one area, they can try moving to a cooler area. That's important. You also allow genes in the landscape to move around. Now, you know, that sounds like a complicated process, but it's not. So if you've got, a, for instance, a bunch of plants that are adapted to dry conditions, then the genes that allow those plants to survive in those dry conditions can then move to other conditions as the um, climate change kicks in. So reconnecting the landscape again, what it used to be in the past, is a very useful step. It's a very simple step and very useful step. Now, of course, you can take more dramatic steps, which is where you're really introducing new genes directly yourself. And, you know, I think that's something that we certainly should consider. It's something that at the moment is being discussed quite widely. That's more dramatic. It's something that people may feel, you know, quite... um, I guess they might be against that sort of idea, but I think it's essential that we do do that.
1: The article is entitled, Tracking the Climate Threat to Australia's Unique Ecosystems. You can find it online in Melbourne University's Pursuit magazine. One of its authors is Professor Ari Hoffman. We've just been talking to him. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
4: You're listening to a
3: podcast from Community Radio 3RRR in Melbourne, Australia.
1: You're tuned to Triple R. This show is Breakfasters next Saturday on the fifteenth of December at Catfish on Gertrude Street. Former Breakfaster Josh Earl is doing a live recording of his podcast. Don't you know who I am? Right now, though. He's joining us in the studio. Welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having me back. Hello, Joshy. Hey, Jez.
5: So good to see you again. Hi, Sarah Harrod. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Joshy. (laughs) There's two people who can call me Joshy. Jez is one of them. There you go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Who's the other? Not you. No one (laughs) who (laughs) knows. So, Joshy. Yes. Jeffy.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about this podcast. So, uh, the podcast is, I've been doing it for uh, four years now. It's a. a quiz show where I just get people in and I get a whole bunch of information about them and we just kind of... It's like a quiz about their lives, but it's not really a quiz. I mean, you, you can play for points. Jez is very good at playing for points. Jez, I'm Jez, you, win, you win every time. No, she I do hasn't. Not.
0: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> just, yeah. Start off.
5: off strong and then, oh. yeah. But oh, last time Jez played, away. there was actually trophies involved. And it's really funny when you include trophies because then people take it really, really seriously mm. and you could... Easily tell Jez was disappointed she did not win that trophy.
0: Uh, Yeah, I let it be known in my
5: (laughs) facial expressions. Uh, Yeah, so it's just a chat, and it's that thing where, you know, everyone's got really good stories, and sometimes when you're talking to people, they don't feel comfortable bringing them up because they're like, I don't know, who cares? But when you force them to bring them up because of, you know the story's good, then they don't feel bad about telling them. So that's the whole That's the whole point of it. Let's get back to the competitive part of yeah.
1: it. Yeah. How do you win
5: points? So there's points. There's four different rounds. One, I go through everyone's social media and I'll read out tweets or Facebook status updates. And uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so sometimes people get to <laughs> defend the tweet if they feel the need to. Sometimes they just want to move on as quickly as they can. Then another round's about, you know, school life or bad holidays and that kind of stuff. And then the last round's just a whole bunch of questions about everyone on the panel and you buzz in and it's fun it's it's and it's also that thing I know what stories are coming up but sometimes you get surprised about what stories emerge from other people who haven't put them in and yeah
1: it's it's good you've had uh, a bunch of prominent people on it hamish blake john Safran geraldine sarah Thank
3: you. Oh, it may Twice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not as many as Jess, <laughs> <chairs>, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I
1: haven't been on it at all. But. Permanent um, who, people. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to be on it on this event?
5: Oh, so, uh, this is a uh, Christmas So, all the proceeds go to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. So, the guests are Edo, Ann Edmonds, Adam Richard, uh, Ben Russell, Greg Larson, and a couple of surprise ones. So, we've got some. Uh, Three wise men, Uh, men's in quotation marks. Uh, (laughs) So it's wise actually when I think of it. Uh, And yeah, so it's going to be fun. So it's I chose, I did it last year uh, to raise money for the same charity, Indigenous Literacy Foundation, just because it's one of those charities where you go on their website and you can actually see how you're affecting people and uh, where the money goes. You know, sometimes you like, there's some really great charities, but you go, my little drop in the ocean isn't going to do much. You don't feel like you're doing much. So so this one, it's really great. So $25 Twenty-five dollars a ticket. Twenty-five dollars on their website shows you that you can get three or more books uh, going to Indigenous communities, and um, and you know that just makes a difference. Um, forty books, uh, forty dollars. Um, no, two hundred dollars makes it forty books.
1: Jeez. And then
5: there's like uh, four hundred dollars or five hundred dollars um, trains people to do the books in their in their language, and it's just one of those things where you go, oh yeah, that's good. I can see exactly where it's going and how it's gonna. How it's going to change.
1: Yeah, nice. Do, normally, do you normally do the podcast just like in a studio? And what's the difference when you do it live?
5: Differences are well, depending on the the guests, it's sometimes like, you know, they play out for the audience. And sometimes in, in the studio, studio ones are really good because people can, you know, divulge more information than they probably would in front of an audience. But the studio, the live ones are, they're just fun. Like, yeah. Do the
3: audience heckle? Do no, they kind of get involved? No, oh, really.
5: podcast audiences. Very much like radio, it's very loving. They actually, you know, they feel like they. <laughs> sure.
3: Have you know <laughs> audience. They have so much. No, they feel like they
5: they listen to you every day, and it's very personal. You listen on yeah. like either on headphones or in the car and stuff like that, and so it's it's nice. You kind of have this kind of thing where they don't they don't want to ruin the show. They paid money to see the show, so yeah. they don't want to
1: ruin it.
3: And they're used to not responding, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think the last time we were talking to you was about one of your kids shows. Do you get the same kind of people going? Like, is it that? Adults who bring their kids to your kids' show also come to this or are they completely different? Yeah, the, re- the reason I started doing kids'
5: shows, one, because I had kids and I thought, oh, I want them to see what I do because I'm always out of the house doing stuff, so I, I better let them s- actually see what I'm doing. But then also, you know, you, your audiences get older and so they start having their kids and they can't go out as much and so oh, I'll do a show and then f- for their kids and then they'll come along. And so I always have people saying, oh, I saw you when you did the cake show and now my kids are seeing you do shows. So that's nice. I had a kid... Yesterday at my kids' school, come up to me and said, I was listening to Don't You Know Who I Am the other day. And I'm like, oh, you shouldn't oh. be doing that. You're yeah. like He goes, <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's a story about this guy got ki- uh, testicular cancer because a pig kicked him in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's that's not appropriate for you to be listening to. So, uh, yeah, it's a good story, though.
0: If yeah, yeah, he had a collective... But why not? Oh. He needs to know.
5: To yeah, there's there a, a, <laughs> there a lot of stuff
3: around that as well, though. Yeah, oh <laughs> uh, if you had a collective now, like a word for... Josh L fans, what would it be?
5: Oh, Girl Scouts. There you go. Oh. That's, that's what I was calling them for a few years. Girl
3: Scouts. Good.
5: Yeah, You're they right hated then. it. They,
1: they dropped off. They really <laughs> dropped off. And if you could get um, any group of people oh, for yeah. this podcast, who would be your dream, dream team for...
5: I used to say, like, Tiffany Haddish. You know, comedian Tiffany Haddish. She's an American. She's in Girls Trip. She's... Uh, She's the one who went at the Golden Globes. Was dressed up in the African kind of robe. She's great. She's always Mm. saying, "We're ready, we're ready." Apparently, her life was she was homeless. She like went through foster homes and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, I just think those kind of stories would be, yeah, Yeah. that would be great. Uh, Who else would I have on there? Oh, see, this is on the spot. Also, Mm.
3: no pressure. The three people staring at you with like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. (laughs) grimaces on their face.
5: Yeah, I, I Tim Rogers. I'd love to have Tim Rogers on, and he almost came on, and then. We were talking through Twitter and then all of a sudden he, well, I guess once his book promotion was done, he just quit Twitter and I, I don't know how to contact him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, if you're listening or know someone who knows, like, contact me back, please, mate. I've read your book. I want you on. You're my favourite band.
1: Are the, the guests for this, are they better if they're people with, like, great life stories? Are they better yeah. if, like, are yeah. the comedians better?
5: Oh, there are some some people who are just intrinsically funny, who can make anything funny. And so, like, last year in the in the... In the show In the Christmas one Yeah Anne Edmonds was talking about Swimming in Port Phillip Bay Swimming <laughs> oh through God. A meat tray <laughs> Like there was just a, a Chops in the water <laughs> And if you wrote that down On a oh, Write a question about I swam with chops, chops You're like Well I can't really do much About that But the story was so funny Edo was so funny There's just some people Who are just You know They just make everything funny
0: But also I think everyone does whether they know it or not, does have really great stories. Mm. Yeah, they yeah. just think it's you know, and I probably thought swimming with chops was not much chop. Yeah, but it really <laughs> it was. Thank
3: you. <laughs> do you ever have to kind of like rein someone in? Because I, I guess when you're dealing with performers in particular, yeah, do you ever have someone who's kind of just Hamming it up too much, and you're thinking, oh, I've got to like, pull you back a little bit. Yeah, in the comedy festival, I did it
5: at the hi fi bar, or Max Watts House of Sound now. Yeah. And uh, I did it there, and it was like, we only had an hour to do it because it was, oh. you know, you're on it, we're on at midnight. And so the bar staff have to be off, otherwise they get charged extra money anyway. So I had Jason Byrne on and Hamish Blake on the same episode. Oh my gosh. Oh. And I'd asked one question, and we were 40 minutes into the show. <laughs> and then I really had to, like, keep. Keep it moving, keep it moving. But yeah. it's that kind of thing. Like everyone was having fun, so I was like, sometimes you feel like a school teacher when, gonna, you, when you're hosting. Yeah,
1: yeah. And have you ever learnt anything really unexpected about any of your guests? Oh. Have you just thought I just had no idea that you'd had that in your past. Uh,
5: yeah, I'm sure I have. I can't think of the top of my head at the minute, though. I should have come in with something prepared. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, just listen to
1: the podcast, Jeff. There'll
5: be so much <laughs> stuff there. That every Thursday. Well,
1: maybe I'll come along <laughs> on uh, 15th of yes. December. If people want to go. What they need to do can i just turn up do they
5: need to book uh, i would book there's only like 20 tickets left so it's uh josh au slash gigs it takes you straight there Tickets are 25 dollars and like i said that money goes straight to uh getting like three books to uh indigenous communities
3: and it's heaps of fun yeah it's and really it's worth your loved ones of fun it's yeah. happening the day after our final show oh, so you can no, get up early too. for the breakfast ob sleep in then Go to your show on the first. Perfect. Yeah. Go to your show on the next. Do that. Yeah.
1: Fits neatly together. It's called "Don't You Know Who I Am?" We've been talking to the man behind it, Josh Earl. Thank you so much. Thank you.
3: <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3RR in Melbourne, Australia.
0: Hmm. Listening to breakfasts, you know, there's things in the world um, that a lot of people. Uh, Perhaps have on their bucket list. Think, oh, I'd oh, like yeah. to do that one yeah. day. I don't know, I'm going to. I'm going to. This is what I'm going to spend the rest of my days on trying to achieve, and then I'll do it, and then I'll work on something else. Yep. Um, and these are usually things that I have no interest in trying to achieve. I Agreed. understand this completely.
1: In fact, I hate the whole phrase of "bucket list."
0: Why? Do I don't you know like to think
1: of vomiting in a bucket. Don't like the word "bucket." Oh. <laughs> yeah. It makes me think of, the, you know, when you feel really nauseous and you're lying by and bed. You get me a bucket? Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. It doesn't make me feel like doing anything What else would you call it, though, other than a bucket list? What's it the name? Um,
1: list of things I'm not going to do.
0: Yeah, Goals. Yeah, that's oh, what
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll
0: do. Cool. Uh, I think uh, climbing Mount Everest is at the top for me. Ah, of things that I have no interest. I see in. what you
1: did there. Climbing Mount
3: Everest is at the top.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I
3: don't know if you did that or if it just happened.
0: Yeah. Oh, you did okay. oh. uh, yeah, it. Thank you. Oh. Yeah. I apologise. No. <laughs> It was a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, have I just I don't understand why Ugh. people want to I know. Especially when you have to walk past so many dead people. <laughs> totally get it. Just lying that there in the snow.
3: Harsh and mellow a bit would
0: Yeah. <laughs> and also when you get to the top, like w- what happens?
3: Yeah, you take a selfie. Yeah,
0: you get a you get a beautiful view. Yeah. And then you and go then, back
1: past the dead people again.
0: Yeah, and then hope you don't die on the them. way down. That's when most people do it, isn't it?
3: Yeah. It's that last down? seven All feet right. well, or whatever it is. Cross that off the bucket The list. Hillary, what do they call it? The Hillary step.
0: Oh. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. All right, what would get you to the top?
3: What would get me to the top? Mm. Or oh, there'd have to be something pretty awesome up there. Like a... Buffet, free food. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you feel like eating, would you, after no. walking all that way? No, probably what Oh, you know what would get me to the top? What? Um, some kind of mad slippery slide that went all the way <laughs> down to the bottom.
0: Oh, yeah, a lift. <laughs> yeah. like
3: water slide. <laughs> I reckon I would actually climb Mount Everest if you told me that there was an awesome slide at the top. That wouldn't kill me.
0: Well, yeah, I'd I'd go up the top if there was if you got a hot chockey up the top.
3: Hot chockey. Oh yeah, because it's oh, cold yeah. up there.
0: Yeah, hot chockey and some bikkies or and some chocolate or whatever.
3: And what about if there was just someone hanging up there that you well, didn't Maybe expect? a hot
0: like fresh croissant or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
3: a pastry. Mm. Yeah. and someone to have a chat to, like a famous person that was Still, waiting for you. Still, I do feel
1: oh, you yeah. should maybe work on that. um Albury mountain first. Oh, red light hill. Red oh, light, right? light yeah. hill. Yeah, might be the yeah,
0: first step. Yeah, well, once again, if there's. Hot choccy and croissants (laughs) up there. I'll go go up. No problem. Uh, That and, yeah, slippery side on the way down. Mm. Or just some...
3: That'd be nice. Or just someone to carry you down in a basket so you could sleep.
0: Oh, that's nice too. Yeah, anything that's
3: comforting, I think, at that point. Or
0: some kind of hammock. Well, you're in a hammock and then, like, but like a zip line hammock that goes quite slowly. Yeah. Not too oh, fast. Oh, not too fast. So you can, you know, you can lie there and sway as you're going down. Oh, beautiful. And then, and also, if you want, you can just pop your head out and have a look at the view. Perfect. Hmm. Take a croissant for the for the for the <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> well, no, don't.
1: No. A St. Bernard dog could come running up to you when you're the top. And it would have oh. the. a little whiskey.
3: whiskey. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Warm
1: you up for the way down. Get you up to the top. What what else is on the bucket list that we're not going to do?
3: You know what I wouldn't do? Jump out of a plane. Don't care. Don't care. My friends are jumping out of planes. I don't care. I I never want to do it. I've no
0: desire. But you, yeah, I'd do it. I'd do that for sure. Why would you? Because it'd be a bit of fun.
1: You know, um, next year, of course, we're doing the Have a Go Thursday.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: I thought Have a Go Thursday would be like eat. Pick go for the first time. <laughs> Jump out of a plane. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Give it a go. Yeah. Give. Give it a go Wednesday. Give it
1: a go Wednesday. Sorry, not have oh, a
0: go yeah, Thursday. Jump, I'll jump out <laughs> of it. My... You can do that as
1: well. <laughs> but uh, No, it's funny you should say that because I was just watching the video. Have you seen this clip of the woman who was tandem dri- diving? and she oh, got, got a leg caught she got in a the rope? See,
3: too much can go wrong. And also
1: because it was all set up because obviously you're going up there, you have the GoPro so you can record it all so you can mm. show it to your friends. But the video is mostly just of her, her hanging foot? upside <laughs> down as, as the earth swirls. Did she get out <laughs> oh, of it? Yeah, gosh. she got out of it. She was... Okay, but no uh, broken. No, good. I don't no, I think she, her leg was a little bit. Higher, but I had a no friend too,
3: was training to become an instructor, and his um, first, sh- his first, like uh, the thing popped down and got tangled, <gasps> and he had to cut away. He actually had to do that thing with the knife. They have a spare knife in their little top oh, pocket, yeah. and he had to cut away the. And then pull the spare one. No, no yeah. good. Yeah, no, no good, right? Wow. No good. Just stick to Still. climbing Mount Everest. Yeah, I'd, much, I'd go Mount Everest over jumping out of a plane any day.
0: Hmm, I'd jump out of a plane. What about going to the Olympics?
3: Be in competing or yeah. actually just attending? Because I do not want to attend either. I don't oh.
0: understand that. <laughs> <laughs> well... What do you mean? You oh, oh, it's it's just so overrated.
3: Nah, it's so overrated. It, you're in this stadium, and everything's so far away from you, and there's always like a hundred events happening at once. And a lot of sports you don't care about. Yeah,
0: but what if it was um, like diving or gymnastics or something exciting nah, like that?
3: Ah, just too much, too many people.
0: Yeah, but oh you go well. to the footy. There's heaps of people yeah, there. So it um, yeah, surprises
3: me a bit. But I would love the footy.
0: Olympics, it's all right, take it or leave it.
1: Anyway, yeah, so I think we've all resolved we're not going to compete in the Olympics. In the Olympics, we crossed that. I mean, we could if we wanted to, but we don't want to. All
0: right, yeah, here we go. If you were to go to the Olympics, what sport would you be? You'd be clearly in the waiting. (laughs) Water (laughs) weighting. Water (laughs) weighting. I could easily do that. I think that
3: you'd be in weightlifting, Jez. Oh, yeah. that's what you've been doing recently.
0: Weightlifting or, um, yeah, I've done two sessions. So, I am, <laughs> so uh, you're,
3: you're, well, you're well prepared <laughs> for the
0: Olympics. <laughs> it's been two days and my legs are still hurting. But, oh, maybe like um, in high school it was the... Those shot put. Th- yeah, shot put, discus and um, oh. and javelin. You'd n- be good at that. I nailed the javelin in high school. Oh, Literally. Yeah. Into you did it yeah. again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, nailed you. the javelin. Nailed it. yeah. it's
3: very funny. I would do the wiggle walking.
0: Or just oh. the walking. The wiggle
3: walking. Yeah, you yeah, know, one's with I,
0: I think it's just walking. Has <laughs> 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 it got a special <laughs> name? No, it's just. Would that just be just a special walker. event for you? Everyone else is doing walking and you're doing wiggle walking. Yeah. And you're waiting <laughs> next to me. Just, and I'm throwing.
1: That's going to be quite
0: It's golf,
1: golf, gold for Australia.
0: Was <laughs> anything on your list? That, a list
1: of things I'm not going to do. Yeah. Well, just the
3: yeah, top of the list of things you, you other people like to do, but you don't care, you're not going to do.
1: Oh, that is a very long list. It's mm. um, number one. Oh uh, well, you know it's not just not jumping out of the, um, not jumping out with the parachute, mm. bungee not go- jumping, not going in the plane
3: at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So
1: I'm not even getting up there.
3: I feel like you have got more chance of something going wrong in that little plane because they always are so. Yes. Are so kind but of. But chug- on the
1: flip side, you'd have your parachute ready. So. Oh, would you? You know. <laughs> yeah, mm. with your foot tangled.
3: What about, what's on the top of your list? Jumping out of a plane is probably number one for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, you know what? Running a marathon. Up. Oh, yes. So many friends running. Mar- uh, you, I admire and respect your <laughs> do you?
0: efforts. <laughs> do you really? I do. But, well, I don't care.
3: So I run a marathon.
0: No. Well, off you go. <laughs> what about doing. I'd rather like, go
3: swimming in some rock
0: pools. Okay, well, here we go. Would you do like something like the Peter to pub? No.
1: Oh, actually, I've 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 got one that we might disagree with. Mm. I'm not going to swim with sharks.
3: Oh, oh,
1: really? No, too scared. Yeah, they bite you.
3: What's what about good? in a cage? What about one of? Who's the, in the cage? What, me or the you're, sharks? You're in the cage. <laughs>
0: Both. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, thank you. Oh, no, they're, they're fine. Oh, they're yeah, just, just they just they can read your aura. <laughs> I think you should swim with sharks. Yeah, give it a go Wednesday. Oh, it's going to be the, <laughs> <gonna> be the <laughs> traumaticest bloody <laughs> Wednesday, isn't it?
1: Three Triple R. Tune to Breakfasters here on Triple R. If you're in town tonight or tomorrow night, you can catch Eliza Schlesinger performing at the Athenaeum Theatre as part of her elder millennial tour. Right now, though, we are very fortunate to have her in the studio. Welcome to Breakfasters.
4: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for coming in. What makes you an elder millennial? Is it a demographic
4: or an attitude or a bit of both? You know, it's 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 a little it's an amalgamation of several things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> demographically, you know, you're a millennial. People love to send me articles on this. I was born in 1983, so I'm at the tail end of that demographic. So I am an elder millennial and that I'm the eldest of that group. But elder millennial also is... You know, people think of millennials and they have all these nasty things to say about them. But when you're in that 35 and we could even say 36, 34 age range, you're still you're young because you're like in your mid 30s. But you're old enough to remember a time where there was no Internet. We didn't all have cell phones. So we are sort of the last of that group. Um, So we're like we're the the older kids and we we are starting to have businesses and kids and families and so you've got like one foot in your youth and one foot not so much in the grave. But <laughs> <laughs> so it's that weird balance like this, that, this is that time in your life where people have questions for you about your future and children and all the adult things you thought would never come your way. So
1: what's the most striking thing about your childhood that you think younger millennials might struggle to come to terms with or might just seem crazy to them?
4: But even like thinking about it then I feel old i'm like we have lemonade stands but like kids still do that stuff you know maybe the simplicity of nintendo you know those graphics were just blocks moving around but i think it's a very old person thing to do to look back on your youth with fondness as if that was the only youth that was available you know and that's the only way it should be everybody thinks their generation is the best has it figures out has it figured out and the younger one is garbage coming up so um you know what i think um Not having devices and not having that need to do something electronic and going out and playing, and we didn't have the option of the internet and those things. So I think that freedom is kind of gone now because everything's on your screen. That being said, I remember when AOL was a thing and we were like 14, (laughs) and we would get in those chat rooms and just be like, penis! And they just write, just messing up these people's days. They're like trying to find a connection because they're weird. And you're like, what do your boobs look like? So I remember discovering screen names.
3: Uh, there's heaps of articles and stuff that are always like written about. The kind of anti-millennial millennial article became really popular in the last year or so in Australia... Mm. Uh, someone famously wrote an article about how millennials. I'm an older millennial as well. How we we can't afford houses because we're spending too much money on smashed avocado. Mm. Uh, do you get offended by those kinds of articles, or do you feel like ah, uh, it's kind of not
4: me? Well, I own a home, so I <laughs> can't. <care. laughs> <laughs> what that person said. I mean, I do think there is a call for quality with this generation. We like artisanal coffee. Like we like things a little bit nicer. We expect, yes. and we're willing to spend money on those things. The economy, at least I can speak for in the states, is doing better or now when my generation was getting out of college there were no jobs so we all became industrious even though you're living with your parents you'd start a cupcake business or you know uh necessity is the mother of invention so i think people don't like that we expect quality but we also produce quality things you know like how many elder millennials slash millennials do you know that like run a coffee shop and yes it's nine dollars but it's good quality you know so i don't know i think that's also probably like an older person writing that article yeah right they sound old <laughs> it's also like it's whatever every generation thinks they have it figured out and blames the one that came before them but in this case it was their fault
0: <laughs> uh let's talk about you uh, about comedy um finally it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a male dominated industry and you were the first and only female winner of Last Comic Standing. That was many years ago. Uh, and it seems like there's always been this argument of if you're funny, you're funny. Mm-hmm. And, I'm like, I, you know, I stood by that argument as well when I first started out doing stand-up. I was like, oh, I'm getting opportunities. If you're funny, you're funny. You yeah. know, you get through it. But now I kind of see it. that's It's bullshit. Um, <laughs> And so, oh, we can uh, curse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Are. <laughs>
4: Fuck.
0: yeah. So it's like I'm interested to in know: has your attitude changed much over the years? And and do you think men now are making more space for women in comedy? First of all, it's not
4: anyone's job to make space for you. It is your job to carve that out. It is your job to claw that out. Hopefully, the powers that be will give you a shot. But you know, there's always this thing like. You know, more women, there should be more women on your lineup. Well, if there's not, then girl, go start your own lineup, you know? Mm. And you have to be undeniable. I know that's like people that are sensitive won't like that. Uh, funny is funny. People do get chances based on. You will get chances based on various boxes that you take. in some cases. Sometimes you'll get that chance because you are that white middle age male and those are your buddies. Sometimes you will get a chance because people want to tick off a diversity box. But at the end of the day, you will not have longevity mm. unless you are funny. So yeah. you can use it, your uh, disadvantages, as you would call them, as a stepping stone or a crutch. But at the end of the day, what you should worry about most are writing undeniable jokes.
0: When you first started out doing stand up, like it seems—I oh, hate using this word—but you've you've Here's got it. the penis, <laughs> fuck. It's <butthole>. the balls. <laughs> it's the balls. You know, but you, you know, you've got a lot of balls in your comedy. Thank you, Geraldine. Welcome. Uh, where where did you get them from? Where I get my balls?
4: Yeah, get them from my mama. <laughs> uh, you know, I I just. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, this is going to sound so arrogant, but uh, this intrinsic notion that I'm smarter than most people. And that doesn't even mean book smart. It just most people are very dumb. Most people... I did not mean to make eye contact with I you know, when I, I said that. Really, I didn't, I just, It hit me that like I was only the looking there. at yeah. her, and I was just trying to look, look around the room. And, you know, and we'll listen to you. And I just... Most people don't know what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. And so the balls come from... If the audience wasn't laughing, I might be less secure about it. But also, like, no one knows. No one knows what's going on. So you may as well have confidence. And nobody cares. We all sit around doubting ourselves and feeling shitty. No one's actually paying attention to you that much that you should feel <laughs> that shitty about yourself. Nobody cares what you wear. You know, people only get get bristly when you've offended them. That's, like, the new trend now. I don't know. I just think, um, where do the balls come from? There's also forged like out of... What
0: gigs fo- were you doing when you first
4: started out? Like, you... Small gigs, you know, just like anyone else. I remember, and this is my advice to anyone that thinks it should be handed to them. You know, you wanted to get spots, but all the established comic got the good spots. so Mm -hmm. I started my own room. Mm -hmm. That's my advice to any comic. Go to a bar on like a Monday. Be like, what's your slowest night? They'll say Monday. And then you say, can I run a comedy show in that back room where you store the meat? (laughs) And you can have the bar because your objective shouldn't be the money. It should be getting that stage time. And I did that. So I was just hustling around with a regular day job. Yeah. doing garbage spots then I became a paid regular at the clubs in LA then I won that show so I became a headliner but it's like multiple shows in a night and you're doing it for the love of the art mm. you know you have to love doing it is it super vibrant scene in LA yeah yes it's a very yeah. vibrant scene uh, and a lot of east coast comics move there you know there's a east coast west coast rival um, I am a homegrown. I'm not from Los Angeles but I started my career there and it's a very diverse city uh, and it's you know it informs a perspective
3: what's the difference between a west coast comic and an east coast comic
4: i mean it depends because then <laughs> you get into the of like alt comic mainstream and everyone you know yeah yeah east coast people in general tend to have like a, an attitude which i love because i was born in new york my family's from there kind of yeah. like i'm gonna tell you how it is um i don't know I, I guess no one's really from or staying anywhere but yeah probably yeah. Like more of an attitude like I'm gonna fucking tell them how it is <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna talk about the fact that I don't fuck and I don't care and I'm weird I don't know it's maybe an attitude but I, I like it I saw in
1: your bio that you've done a number of those USO tours, the ones where you perform for service people. What's that like? In my head, it sounds like it would be amazingly intimidating.
4: Uh, doing the USO shows, yeah. You know, it's intimidating. We spent last year in Iraq and Afghanistan, among other places, but those are the two, like, shinier ones. Um, and it's it's intimidating, I guess, because... You're, you just want to, you so want to do a good job for them. You know, of course you want to entertain your audiences when you're doing a regular show, but like these guys deserve it. Like they are taking hell for you. So you have the freedom to do whatever you want and eat that avocado toast and not care <laughs> and move around with impunity. And so you just, you want to make sure that you, that you get them and that you give them a good show. Um, And it's humbling. And I get goosebumps thinking about it because they put their lives on the line. Like we did a show one time where like a live rocket came over. Um, I was sleeping, but I heard that this (laughs) happened. But they, you know, they're so selfless. It's a special kind of person that does, that's in the military. And uh, especially around the holidays, like you just want to come and give them an hour where they kind of forget that they're on like a shitty base. Dealing with a shitty situation. Mm. So, says so that? You just want to make sure you do a good job. You just want to make sure that you leave them happy.
1: Gerald, I know you touched on this, but I wanted to ask you about Last Comic Standing as well, because I don't think that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
4: what I wanted to say. What, what do you, could you possibly want to know that it's been a decade? What do you want to know? What's your burning question? <laughs> It sounded.
1: This is kind of like. Because we don't have it here, I don't think. I don't think it's ever shown here. Oh, it's it, yeah. it kind of like a comedy version of a, American Idol? Is that sort of the idea?
4: Sure. It's like a competition. It's like a reality show. Yeah, competition.
0: Yeah. Just not across comedy as well as um, others might be. Okay. Yeah.
4: Well, <laughs> so. did you have a brand question or did you write one down? And you're like, we'll fill up some time. I'll ask oh, no, I just
1: this. wondered like, whether you had to do challenges and stuff. And
4: uh, yeah, I. I remember we had challenges, but they were like funny. So it's like you've got 30 minutes in a Bed Bath and Beyond to make things and do a sketch, or you. I remember we had to tell Hugh Hefner's. Remember that show? The was it Girls Next Door? Remember it was yeah, a show about his yeah. girlfriend. We had to tell his three girlfriends a bedtime story, and whoever was the funniest oh, wasn't executed. Yeah, I
0: remember watching <laughs> it, and it had been quite um, intense. Thinking, oh man, it, it's quite incredible that you come up with these jokes, like in a day but it's just i guess like it's you know that's that's your job it's what we do now i
4: mean it sort of is like you'll never be at gunpoint like you were on that show like Mm. nothing in comedy will ever be as competitive as that sh- the concentration mm. of that show. So I kind of always think like, Oh, I went through fire like that. It doesn't get harder than that yeah, for so many yeah. reasons. There's it's difficult in other ways, but like no one is ever going to be like, all right, you've got 10 minutes. I need as many jokes about blue shirts and monkeys as you can do. And winner loser goes home yeah, on it's camera,
0: intense. <laughs> it's the reason why you haven't watched and the it. People are intense. And, yeah. it's,
4: and it breeds just shittiness toward other comics. And it put uh, it instilled a sense of competitiveness in me that while i still maintain that like it took me a long time to not like have my fangs out around other comics because yeah, right. when my fir- your first introduction to comedy is like you know like you hate that other comic it's you you or him who's gonna go home yeah um and it took me a while to kind of soften did they do that thing where they make artificial feuds between you all i need you to just go on youtube and watch it <laughs> the- <laughs> oh yeah, they do. Yeah, I think that would answer all the questions. They tried, but I wouldn't do it because I watched a lot of reality TV. Uh, so I, every interview, every time they talked to me, I was just like, what? No, I love him. You know what? I'm just here competing against myself, which I suck, <laughs> but I wasn't going to let them turn me into a monster. I'll do it on my own. <laughs> Seriously, you should just YouTube it. <laughs> I wore a lot of deep v-necks. You'll love it. <laughs> Unless... <laughs> Love how uncomfortable you are
1: Jeff, now. all right last year you brought out the book girl logic what's the difference for you between writing for stand-up and writing for a book which of them do you prefer is it the same sort of process or? no
4: writing a book is so hard yeah. it's so hard it just came out on paperback too so i'm very i'm grateful for that it's hard because it's like writing a paper in school like you establish a thesis and then you have to support it and there's all these times I sh- like on stand-up i can go on a tangent Mm. I can do whatever I want and make voices and I have so many tools on stage to get you to understand what I'm saying whether it's pausing or a face or a sound effect but in a book like it's whatever you put on that page is up to the reader and it's it's hard because you got to keep coming back to that thesis and reinforcing it so um, it definitely was a process. Um, but I'm proud to have done it. And writing a book is hard, turns out.
3: Jeff writes books, so I think you would be happy to hear that. You understand. Yes.
4: <laughs> like my editor would give me notes back. They'd be like, "Okay, so you touched on this experience in your life, but why do you think that relates to girl logic?" I'm like, "I don't fucking know. Make something up." This is hard. No one's reading past 57 anyway. They've already reviewed it. You're Poor. taking a dump and reading a book. What do you care? Poor <laughs> the We're all mi- skimming anyway.
1: <laughs> the Elder Millennial Tour is on the Athenian Theatre tonight yes. or tomorrow night.
4: Tonight, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not,
1: Not yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Three. Triple.
0: Ah. It's it, outside. Oh, mate. Ooh, <laughs> gee whiz, it's hot. Hot enough for, <laughs> oh, hot enough for can you.
3: Can you imagine how hot this summer's going to be if it's this hot today? <laughs> yeah.
0: Ooh, Jesus, coming in strong. Uh, that's, let's, let's be honest, that's how every conversation will start today. Every yep. conversation. So, we thought we might come up with some different conversation starters <laughs> for, <laughs> for
3: this can, hot day. If you Help can people get out. today without mentioning the heat... Mm. We
0: will give you a gold star. Yes, in our minds. <laughs> <laughs> but you can give yourself a gold star and a little pat on the back, um, which and that that handle stick to your back because it'll be sweaty, because it is hot. i failed. Oh. So uh, how about how about this for um, a, a good conversation starter? Maybe. Yes. Whatever happened to Christmas beetles?
3: Oh. Hmm. Did happen to Christmas beetles They're still
0: around, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think know. so But when was the last time you, you saw, saw one? You saw one Last Christmas I gave you
1: You don't I feel, don't feel It's just going to go into sort of a bleak spiral <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they're dying The whales are dying <laughs> <laughs> The orangutans oh, no. are dying Oh, no Do
0: you know why it, they're when dying? Because it's so <laughs> hot <laughs> 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 uh, what, what or uh, Jeff, you'd, lo- you'd yes. love this one Tell me Uh do you ever realise that you have a tongue in your mouth? Don't oh, do that to anyone. Oh, that is anyone. the worst. Why would you ever do that?
1: No. <laughs> we that were talking spiral. about this before. I can't believe that Geraldine's never come across this thing where you become aware of your tongue. Yeah. And, and then, then you it, can't it, stop thinking it about literally this thing in your life. mouth that's moving about
5: yeah.
0: all the time. Oh, yeah, Just I don't, yeah.
1: You don't get it? Don't you think it would. Now I've started to
0: it. <laughs> no. I just mm. yeah I go but oh yeah you've yeah. got this big
1: tongue and it's in your mouth all oh, the time. not saying tongue. It's a gross word. <laughs> Tongue's
0: all right. No, it's not. Yeah. Oh, there's <laughs> another one. What words <laughs> are okay for Sarah Smith? Not <laughs> Not a, it's a, it's a, it's a, not narrow, a very long list. What? I don't what,
3: tongue, I think right? if you say tongue, it brings it makes me think of gross. Footballers sticking their tongue out in selfies, mm-hmm. slash gross people on Tinder sticking their tongue out. Ugh. It makes me think of a tongue being chopped, like a big tongue that someone's eating, oh. like a, like, a, like a you know when you go to the butcher's and there's a oh, tongue yeah, there. Oh, yes. tongue like there's no yeah. good visual that is conjured by saying the word tongue. Oh. No, is there? No. What
0: about? Well, that? just get, well that's what yes? I say. Gets no. it into your mind. And now, well, yeah. I'm not, Tonguing, tongue, tongue. What about a giraffe's tongue that's purple?
3: Oh, yeah, it makes me a bit uncomfortable, but yeah,
1: it's
0: better. No, now I'm just
1: thinking: what if my tongue was as long as a giraffe's tongue? Or purple? Yeah, mm. and that was in my mouth, oh. moving about.
3: I'm not okay with this. Well, what,
0: th- don't move it about.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I can't talk if I don't move it. About. Someone just remembered another word I don't like.
0: Oh, that's yeah, moist. Did it? Uh, what? What would no? Seriously, what would be on your list of words that are okay? <laughs> oh, <laughs> not many. <laughs> Honestly, Sarah. but maybe that's a conversation starter for today.
1: Yeah, well, we got the conversation off the weather by grossing people out about About tongues.
3: tongues. Yeah. I, I had this inner frustration because I can't stand weather talk, even though I read the weather every half hour, every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but you do it ironically. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> Sarcastic. Okay, I'll go with that. But also, I always feel so compelled to talk about it when it's happening. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. Uh, there is someone who's been requesting. Get a shout out to the person who's been requesting Tom Tom Club for the last two days, and they've just they've just managed to message us and work in a request for Tom Tom Club into what we're talking about because <laughs> they want to hear Tom Tom Club. What are words for? Yeah. Oh, okay, you've won. I'll play Tom Tom Club. Mate. There you go. You mate, have you you have to, maybe you
0: not. You have to wait for it though. Uh, but
3: then I watched some documentary about how discussing the weather is really it's a bit it plays a big part in human connection. Oh, really? Yeah. we're all in it together. Yeah, like there's actually it's, it, they reckon it goes back to the the dawn of time mm.
0: when, when Eve you s- said to Adam
3: enough hot. for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have any clothes on, so Yeah.
0: But it is that, you know that belonging is such a important and we all, you know yeah, Do we're you all act- in it
3: together. Do you actually reckon you could get through today without saying t- commenting on the heat or heat related things? I've
1: just had Two I went to get the coffee We had the the, the weather conversation at the coffee place Yep um, And then I ran into Joe Bernardic from Astral Glamour On the way back here And um, we talked about the weather
0: Just what did you say? Just hot Anything enough for Anything more you? than hot
1: enough for you? I was telling him about how when I was riding through the city Everything really smelt because it was so hot
0: Oh yes that's oh, so. that's
1: I've already told you that story but Yeah mm. but I feel like that's also kind of almost coming accessible coming at it from a different mm. angle Yeah Taking a conversation on the rank smell <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's about the stench <laughs> Smelly yeah. enough for you yeah. If you If you have to Suffer through this heat Like if you ha- don't have air conditioning Or a way oh, to yeah. keep cool Then absolutely you are Totally fine to complain About that all day Have no problems with it I don't know if I agree with that No, Lots
3: of people Probably don't have not- air con.
0: Lord, no, I don't I'm saying hear about if it. you don't have to if you have to suffer through it you're allowed to voice your uh annoyance that you have to suffer through yeah, it, this Yeah.
3: I, I feel so for anyone i reckon working outside in particular today yeah fair enough but also maybe just if you maybe it's like um meditation if you don't talk about it it doesn't exist yeah is that how meditation works no Oh, Something like know.
1: that, but yeah, I mean, it's not great for your workmates, is it? If they, they that's they, what I mean. They know that it's hot. <laughs> they don't need you telling them every five minutes that it's hot.
0: But, okay, yes, but if if you come home and you've been working all day, and you get home to uh, and you go to the your pub apartment you, in
3: Collingwood, and there is no air conditioning.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying if you've been outside working all day, and you go to the pub and you're meeting up with your friend that's oh. been in an office all day, yeah. you are absolutely allowed to go, jeez, it was bloody hot today. And the person that's sit in an air-conditioned office all day that hasn't been outside, you shut your mouth. Yeah, you have to buy the drinks. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to the best bits of The Breakfasters from 3RRR.